still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans. Plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom, we've done probably over 100 episodes at this point. Not often do I see you in a Bath shirt on a Tuesday evening. Uh, you've got one on this week, which is a mark of the man through thick and thin after um, a, the 1771 defeat to Saracens. How are you? Many more than 100 episodes now, G. Probably nearing the, the, the 150 mark. Um, and yeah, some of them have felt, have felt pretty tough. To be honest with you, I am normally in some kind of, of, of Bath stash. It tends to occupy about half my wardrobe at the moment. Um, and I am also in some Bath tracksuits, um, which I won't show you. But yeah, Bath, Bath shirt, Bath, Bath shirt today. Uh, I just thought, you know, when times when times get tough, I need to see my reflection on this on this on this Zoom call and see the lovely colours of, of blue, black, and white to 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 try and get me through it. Because yeah, as you say, it doesn't get much doesn't get much tougher than this. No, it really doesn't get much tougher than, than coming home to, from work on a Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, and having to re-watch what was probably one of the worst two hours um, of my rugby supporting life. So yeah, that's what I've done this evening. I don't I, think you I, could even bring yourself to do it. Couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And you know, I, um, I didn't even watch the extended highlights. I watched what usually are kind of five, six minute highlights that, that BT Sport put out. Um, on this occasion, due to the volume of tries that, that Saracen scored, it was more like 11 or 12 minutes. Um, and I think that, that probably tells you all you need to, to know about the game, G. When I, when I woke up, we, we were down in Bath uh, on, on Sunday. When I woke up on, on, on that Monday morning, um, I was a little bit blurry-eyed just because I'd, I'd had a couple of drama sorrows. But I actually rechecked the score on my, my phone. The first thing I did when I... I woke up, I thought I'd be in some kind of sadistic nightmare, but no, it turned out it, it was true. Um, and yeah, some, some absolutely, some absolutely eye-watering stats, G, that maybe I'll just, I'll just reel off to, to set the scene. Um, so the, the worst ever home league defeat by, by Bath, 54 points, the most league points conceded ever, uh, 71, and the most in the first half in any Premiership Premiership game at 45 points down. The third most points conceded in Premiership rugby history at 71. And then fourth league losses on the bounce for the first time in 20 years history at the club. So yeah, that sets a that sets a somber scene. Um now now over to you to over to you to to bring us all back to life. Well, no, and four defeats, that one really stands out. And I'm not sure it's going to get much better quickly with the trip to the Twickenham Stoop for, for Bath on Saturday. And we will touch on that at the end of the podcast, Tom. But, but obviously loads to talk about from the weekend. We're going to go through the game, probably not as, in, uh, as, as much chronologically and in-depth as we normally do. Talk more generally about the game. What went so appallingly wrong on Sunday afternoon? Kind of, I think then we'll look through each of the the main people within the club and discuss responsibility for the loss. Discuss any changes that I think we we may or may not want to see immediately or or soon at the club. I think we'll then look at social media. So many interactions this week from from social media to to, to get your guys' views. I think. You know, there's, there's nothing. Nothing gets Bath fans more in touch with us than than heavy defeats, which is kind of a weird, weird, weird thing to think about. But loads of stuff to talk about there, so we'll get on to that, uh, and then get on, as I say, to the the Harlequins game briefly at the end, and see if we can find any positives from Sunday that we can take. I'm sure we might find one or two that we can take forward uh, um, going into the game, Tom. But it it just felt like. Go on, you got, you got something to say? Well, I was going to say, I'll start us off with, with, with a positive. Um, and that was, you know, to be honest, the overall, uh, I don't want to say match experience, but the overall day down in Bath on Sunday, you know, it was bright sunshine, um, sort of lovely kind of autumnal, autumnal sunshine. Um, there was a real buzz 
uh, around Bath. There were barely any Saracens shirt due to due to the distinct lack of fan base. Um, you know, we put out the strongest the strongest team of the season. Cipriani's first game at the rec. So there there was you know there, as I say, there was there was good there was good sense in in the air. And I I actually tweeted that I, I sense an upset in my my Thatchers. Um, and I think that must have been the kiss of death. Someone someone did tweet back saying don't give up the day job. Um, which, which don't worry, I, I won't be. Um, but it, it, it was a brilliant experience. It was a sellout at the wreck. Um, I, I felt like it had all the makings of, um, you know, something that could have revived our season. Obviously, it didn't. But I don't think that should detract from what is, you know, undoubtedly the best match day experience in the in 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 it, certainly in in the English Premiership, if not if not further afield. Mm. Yeah, in a weird way, it felt a lot like the. The, well, a lot and then none at all, like the semi-final that we won against Leicester in 2015. That, again, was a, was a beautiful day at the wreck. The match day experience, the, the whole day experience that I had then was, was absolutely fantastic. And it felt like before the game that there was that sense of anticipation. Uh, and also the game kind of strangely was very similar, apart from Bath, who were completely the opposite ends of, of, of what happened on that day. On that day, every time Bath got into the 22, we scored and Ford, Eastman, Joseph were just cutting them to ribbons as soon as we got into the 22. And Leicester, on the other hand, who, who did have chances in the 22 on that day, couldn't get over the whitewash and kept on coughing the ball up. And it was exactly the same on, on Sunday afternoon, Tom, in, in that first half in particular. I think Saracen scored five tries on their first five visits to the, the 22. And Bath, on the other hand, had, I think, five visits as well and couldn't score. And that was really the tale of, of that first half. And I think huge credit to, to Saracens, first of all. They were fabulous. on the, some, some of the individual performances from, from Itoji in his 50 minutes, from the Bunapola boys were absolutely everywhere. Malins, Good, I thought, were just phenomenal. But the defence was inexcusable and pathetic from, from Bath in, in that first half. And the way we gifted them every time they got anywhere near our line uh, was, was, was just not good enough. From, from what was a really strong Bath team? Yeah, I think, I think you've, you've, touched, you've touched on a, a, number of, a number of good points there. I think, the, yeah, the first one, um, you know, it, it, when, you, when you look at the overall match stats, and particularly in that first half, I mean, if I just reel a couple off, defenders beaten, 26-26. Can you even believe that? Offloads, 15-16. Clean breaks, 11 to Bath, 13 for Saracens. Territory, 50%, 50%. Possession, 44% Bath, 56% Saracens. And so when, when you look at those, those stats, obviously they, they don't tell the, the full picture as statistics often, you know, they, they often don't. And the, the main difference, as, as you've identified, is that close to both lines... Saracens were just so much more clinical than us. You know, there, there were guys coming back into that team who want to, to prove a point. I think as a club in general, they probably want to stick it to, to all the premiership clubs given, given kind of what, they, what they've been through and, and probably how hard done by some of them, some of them might feel. Um, you know, obviously guys missing out from the, from the England squad as well. And they, they came back and they just showed why they have been European champions, why they've been premiership champions. As you say, they were incredibly clinical. They have absolutely genuine world-class players in their side. But I think more importantly, when they come together, they're so much more than kind of their collective, their collective sum. And they, 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 they were so silky at times when they had the ball in hand. And it looked like we, we just couldn't, couldn't live with that at all. But yeah, as you say, when we got close to the line, it was almost reminding me of sort of South Africa at times in that Lions, that Lions tour because it just looked like we were banging our heads against a brick wall and we, and we couldn't get over the line. So I think that's the first thing we should say. We played a very, very good Saracens side. And, you know, I think when we get into break down the game, some, some, of the, some of the issues, it's really the same old story as we've said many, many times on this podcast. But I think it's the extent of the scoreline and, and how clinical Saracens were in putting us to the sword that has probably laid some of those issues a bit, a bit more bare. Yeah, and I think we've often said if we were playing a better team, that could have gone ugly. <laughs> and and that, that's exactly what happened. We were playing look, a fabulous team and it got ugly. Look, because, but, but to say, Tom, sorry, but to say that the, the stats were equal and defenders beaten and, and territory, that isn't to say Bath played well. Bath, no, not at all. Bath were 
terrible, absolutely terrible, terrible in that first half. And and yeah, you know, I don't think we even want to look through through some of the the, the tries that that we conceded. But there was just weak, porous defence, which. Which, yeah, you, you know, we weren't going to we, we weren't going to be old Sulian's RFC on, on Sunday afternoon the way we played. Yeah, no, I guess my point was it just shows you that it, it's 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 fine margins at, at at that level, and and you know when 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 you come up against a team that are so much more efficient in the in you know the red zone close to both lines, it it, it can get ugly. And I think you know the defense is. Is was the main issue and continues to to be the main issue, and it's it's not something that's that's new, as I say. And Saracens really exposed our defence for what it is because they scored a try. I think in every single way that it is possible to score a try, perhaps without a penalty try. So open play from 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 first phase, counter attack, driving maul, um, little kicks through, a tap and go close to the line, pick and goes. It's every single way you could you could think to that, that you could score a try. It wasn't just one area that they identified that they could exploit. They did it across the board, and that is what I think is 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 so worrying. It's that they could have they could have beaten us in any way they they choose and and beat us comfortably. Yeah, yeah, they could have, and 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 pick, picking off. Um, a, 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 a miss pass after a misplaced pass from from our new fly half was was kind of f- for me the the real low moment of, of that first half in in what was an extremely low um, extremely disappointing performance from 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 Danny Cipriani at fly half Tom I, you know I thought from the off three the first three times he got the ball he tried to kick it from hand across field and 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 the kicks were the the, the, the kicks were nowhere near being being good kicks that that piece of play that that led to the the Max Malin's second try when Abano okay puts it behind him Dave's got to go on the ball and 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 and, and regather and reset but to try and throw a two a double miss pass to to Underhill when 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 they were rushing up was was yeah appalling and just looking at, at Cipriani's performance Tom 50 minutes he played zero carries zero meters made two tackles made two tackles missed and three kicks from hand and and that's from the, a, a guy who 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 loads of bath fans were, were optimistic was going to come in and, and and turn it around so a hugely disappointing first and you know the way bailey came on at the end and and improved who knows yeah, how, me, how many chances he's going to get let me yeah let me just pick up on on, on cipriani because yeah got, got a few things to say on this i think so two tackles missed that's interesting i hadn't seen that stat one of them was definitely the the Maratoje try when it almost looked like he stepped aside from from the tackle when when Atoje went to went to score that try and you know in all honesty at times it looked like he just didn't really want to to take contact not only in in defence for that Atoje try but when he threw that intercept past it kind of had the the I don't know the feel of someone who knew if they picked it up they were going to get smashed. So he just tried to kind of fling it to kind of get himself out of, out of contact. And, you know, as you say, in attack, it was, it was just uninventive. He was the first kick down Alex Goode's throat when he got the ball. It, that, I think, really set the tone for, for, for our attack. And it was just kind of windscreen wiper light. So he'd get it. It would be, it would be flat. He'd be, he'd be, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be taking the ball to the line. He'd be back on his haunches. We're getting smothered by the defence. It was predictable, and then when we ran out of ideas, he would he would just kick. So yeah, not not impressive at all. You know, the best case scenario is that he's still very rusty, having not played much rugby. And you know, we will we will see an improvement. He's you know he hasn't played that much rugby, and he's he's obviously been off for the last few games. So we need to we need to you know dampen it a bit, and I think give him a bit more of a of an opportunity. But obviously, worst case scenario is it's been a completely duff signing and he's passed it. And as I've said a few times, Stuart Hooper's pinned a lot on, on this signing. I think there's quite a big, uh, you know, a large amount of pressure on Cipriani working out, given the money that he's, he's probably on and the, the faith that Hooper's, Hooper's paid in him. So, yeah, not, not a good start. And I think the guys, the guys at the top at Bath will be very, very concerned with what they saw there. Who starts at the stoop on Saturday for Bath at 10, Tom? Yeah, I, th- I think I think Cipriani. I mean, thing, things were improved when 
when when Bailey came on. But I still think that the combination of Fox and and Bailey is is kind of very green. Obviously, we have signed um, Joe Simpson now at nine, which is a um, obviously a, a more a more experienced guy. And we haven't touched on that given we had our, our break last week. But I think if you stick with Ollie Fox or or Max Green, um, I, I think I'd like to see Cipriani given given more of an opportunity. As I say, he's had he had he had two and a half games off. Um, he's he's off. He, you know, he's, he's coming back to Bath off the back of a decent layoff from from regular rugby. And I think against what was a brutal and, and, and fantastic Saracen side, he needs to be given a bit more of an, of an opportunity for me. What about you? Ah, uh, Bailey. No, no questions. No questions about Are you, it. You, you're giving up on Cipriani already? I'm not giving up, but, but it's completely justified to play Bailey. I thought, I thought it was probably justified to play Bailey on Sunday after his performance, a performance against Bristol. And this is the guy, Tom, that was run out of town from Gloucester because he wasn't good enough anymore. This isn't the guy who's a early 20s-year-old problem because he, he he he's falling out with his teammates this is the guy that, that this is the rugby player that that, that glossed it all and no one else in the premiership didn't want it's funny how we've gone full circle although you sound like you sound like me about six months ago well i think um, your point was always that he was going to be a, a problem in with you know within the within the group and would that disrupt this this culture that Stuart hooper has att- attempted to build that's not the issue that may have already happened by, by the looks of things no i think yeah, it remains to be seen. I, I, yeah, I, I just think you have to, you have to when when you spend that amount of money on a guy and you put that much faith in him as a as a as a kind of director of rugby and coaches, um, and he will have been, you know, heavily involved in preseason in strategy in in how the packs work, um, whatever that means. That's these days. Um, I, I think you give him a, a bit more of a chance, to be honest, um, and uh, yeah. I, I think they, I think they will, to be honest. But I, I, t- I take your point, and I, yeah, I certainly don't think this is the this is the long term solution. No, no, and, and I think I, as I, as I've said, I think probably every game this season, I'd, I'd like to see Max Green given a go, not on the wing where he really struggled when he came on for for Anthony Watson, but but at scrum yeah. half because I thought Fox looked would look pretty frenetic, to be honest. Yeah, he, he he can do. We've 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 said it before. I think against against Bristol, he was much improved. But in that in that Newcastle game, it just always looked frantic and rushed. And I, I do think we saw we saw that at times from him. His kicking wasn't 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 brilliant as well. Um, and I think Alid Davis, Alid Davis, is it? Played well. My contrast played pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 you know high high box kick to the touchline would have been much more effective if Tom Tom de Glanville didn't have his kind of. His velcro, his velcro gloves on um, that that he seems to have at the moment. He was he was solid at the back, but I think yeah. Just to round off, maybe a point on defence. You mentioned Max Green, and I think that sometimes, obviously, <laughs> said we've said so many times. You know, we've got no defence coach. We've particularly in, in counter attack, um, and Bath have identified this as an issue. Um, what do they call it? Transition. Transition play. I mean, the the, the counter attacks from from Saracens were brutal, and we just looked completely all at sea when when that happened. And that comes down to systems a little bit. I think that count, comes down to coaching. But I also think that at times the individual tackling and the individual kind of effort in defence just just wasn't good enough. Mm. And I think you have to you have to get the players have to hold their hands up to that. Um, you know more so than the coaches. Cipriani, I, I mentioned um, the, the tackle on a toe in the first Second five minutes. Tackle with that handoff from 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 Farrell in the lead. The handoff, the, the handoff from Farrell later on, um, and then the the Max Green tackle in the corner on 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 the Shegan try, which was one of the worst ones for me because we were just switched off, asleep at the wheel, and they just tap tap and go in in the corner. Um, and then to be honest, I mean, not a guy we call out often at all, but the Josh Bayliss missed tackle on Sean Maitland in, in the midfield, went way too high. He put in a lot of effort during that game, so he was tired, but he needs to be lower. And, you know, Maitland goes through and um, and Saracen score next phase. So for me, you know, we'll, we'll come on to talk about coaching and, and all that kind of thing. But at times, there, there, there are guys that just individually weren't at, weren't at the races defensively. And, and that's just not good enough at, 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 at top club level. 
Mm. And it and it led to yeah, as you say, forty five nil down at half time, the, the the worst half ever in the Premiership. Tom, uh, a glimpse of hope, well, hope, a glimpse of quality from De Glanville to cut the line uh, for our first try, just on the on the on on the turn into the second half. But I don't think it really got any better in that second half. I, I feel like Saracens made a lot of changes. Um, some forced, some unenforced to, to rest them ahead of what is a big season for them, both internationally and European a, a, and in the league. And I, and I don't think Bath actually really improved, despite getting three tries in that second half. Do you? The number of people, G, in, in the stands at the wreck, um, that after that, the Glanville trial, the number of people I heard shout, it's nil-nil or um, we can, we, we're still in this. That kind of thing um, did did bring a, a smile to to my face um, a little bit, not really to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, I think when you when you suffer such a uh, a drubbing in in the first half, it's very different if you're if you're in Saracen's shoes to to maintain it. And I think to be honest, for the first 10, 15 minutes, they they looked a little bit flat. They still then started points. to sorry, still got twenty six points in the second not, half. It's not great. Not, not, but not in the first kind of ten in the first sort of ten, fifteen minutes of that second half. I think they did look a bit flat. Um they then kind of perked up a bit and and um and, and scored a couple of couple of comf- comfortable tries. Um I don't think it was a lot better. I think Bailey added um a little a little bit more, as 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 you were saying. Um but other than that, it was it was more of the same. And I think it was more of a function of of Saracens not being quite as hungry because um, they'd they'd already they'd already um, uh, <laughs> they'd already they'd already eaten for days, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, they'd feasted on some some pretty poor blue, black, and white defence in that first half, for for, for one, sure. One question, one question for you, G. Um, so, in in that first half in particular, particularly in the early early stages, it was fairly fairly nip nip and tuck in for, in the first few minutes at least, and we kept probably on five or six occasions chose to kick for the corner rather than, rather than take some pretty uh, guaranteed three pointers from, from in front of the sticks. What was, what was your, what was your view on that? So, so I think the first ones were at 10 nil, weren't they? <sighs> on the day I was saying corner. So I think it's very difficult to, to look back and, uh, and see. And now looking back at how many tries they ended up scoring 10, we were never going to get close with, with the with the, the you know kicking at sticks and we praised last week some of the ambition or two weeks ago some of the ambition shown at Ashton Gate and I think it was okay I think we came up against an exceptional Saris pack that wouldn't give us a sniff but I think that's where we we clearly want to to, to try and dominate and I, and I think on a day like that it was it was always going to be relatively high scoring so I certainly wasn't wasn't calling for for sticks on the day and, and with hindsight probably probably agree with the decision I'm not sure it was the decision that that was wrong it it, it was more the execution either missing the line out not executing the line out or coughing the ball up as soon as we we, we got into the the, the 22 um and I, and I think or well, into sort of 10 meters out really and I think this this not being able to to latch on and bind is really hampering the, the this bath pack close to the line I think that's a, a point of emphasis this season with with premiership referees and I think that's having a huge effect we're seeing now what they're trying to do is pick the ball up from the base a, a, a forward pass it to a, a pod of forwards there and that's how they're trying to get their go forward and it really isn't having near the same imp- impact as what the, the the latching and binding was having and we saw guys like Stewart and Abano actually really struggled to, to, to get go forward on many occasions and that is a credit to Saracens but I don't think that's just on Sunday I think that's been a, an issue we've faced throughout the whole season Yeah I think that, that's a really good point and I think it, ex, it exposed as well maybe some of the um, handling skills that might be lacking in our mm-hmm. in our pack the number of the number of balls that in, in kind of close contact were, were received and obviously players are looking at the the oncoming defender and not watching the ball, kind of kind of kind of schoolboy stuff in some ways, but easy for me to say sat in an armchair um, without a kind of twenty stone uh, raging uh, raging Billy Vunapola coming at me. But I think yeah, on on multiple occasions we coughed up the ball in key areas um, when we were trying to take the ball close to the line, and 
um, and get go forward in 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 the way you described. I, I yeah, I, I saw it a bit differently on the on on the, the the taking three the taking three points. I think the first opportunity was on three nil, so following the Saracens penalty, um, and then we had another opportunity at um, whatever it was ten yeah ten eight yeah ten nil it was. Um, and at that point, I remember turning to to the guys watching it with when Saracens were again uh, down in our um, you know near our near our try line following the. Um, the the Billy Vunapola um, kind of fifty twenty two that Tom de Glanville Tom Glanville took out and I remember thinking at that point you know ten nil and uh, you know we, we've had some 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 territory and we've had some opportunities but ten nil at this point feels very very different to to ten six and as it turned out obviously it may, it may have been the same result and it probably would have done but I just think when you know that you're playing against you know you're playing against kind of top top world class forwards particularly line-up forwards like Mara Toje. I just think it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty dumb with our try-scoring strike rate as it is to, to believe that you've got uh, a 50% chance or there or thereabouts of scoring as compared to a, a, you know, a stone-dead penalty. So um, I, I, I question that, but probably would have made no difference. But it's just one of the, one of the, errors, one of, one of the errors that, that, that sticks out to me. You never know. You never know. If it's, it's, it's 25 penalties. <laughs> Is that how many it would be? God, blimey. It was, yeah, I mean, the, the points did rack up in, in, in that second half, didn't they? And Bath's problems racked up in that second half and, and none more so than on the 61st minute mark, Tom, when, when Anthony Watson took a ball from, from, from first phase line out and, and instantly pulled up on, on, on his left knee and today Tuesday confirmed that, that he's going to see a specialist on, on a torn ACL that probably means the season for Watson um, which is hugely disappointing given how exciting he is obviously to watch and, and how well he was playing on, on Saturday he, he was a real standout I thought whenever he got ball in hand um, and, and it's so upsetting to see him struggle again with an injury having having recently come back from his Achilles injury, worked so hard to get back and, and now a really another devastating lower leg injury. Yeah, it's, it's 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 so disappointing. When he went down and all the medical staff rushed on, I I, I really did, did fear the fear the worst. He then kind of got back to his feet, kind of hobbled over to, to his right wing position and, and started to try and run it off. And I was I was screaming, just take him off. What is the point in in this when the scoreline is is such as it is. You've got to um, save, save, save your, save your man for to, you know to to fight another day. Um, again, whether it made any difference to the to the rupture, you don't know. But he's sort of trying to run it off, yeah. and you're just there thinking, what is going on uh, at this point? Even some of the Saracens guys I was sitting with from an England perspective were just like, you know, get him off the field as the fa- as the famous rugby league commentary goes. So yeah, it's 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 devastating. And and you mentioned his, his injury run. Um, obviously, he's left, he ruptured his left Achilles twice, didn't he? You know, uh, in in recovery, ruptured again. That cost him 13 months in 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 2018, 2019 season. Um, and now he's 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 obviously got the ACL in 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 that same leg, uh, all in the space of of three years. Um, and he's he's such a fantastic player that relies on speed, relies on agility. And he was showing us in that game that he can beat people in a in a phone box. So. Devastating for for Bath fans and 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 for England fans, um, to be honest. And yeah, obviously, w- w- wish him the very best. But it's a it's a it's a very very long road back. And with his contract up at the end of this season, um, that's you know that's going to be his last memory of of playing for Bath this season, which is which is going to be or playing rugby this season, which is pretty tough to take. Yeah. Yeah. Not confirmed out for the season, but obviously that's what it normally means. And I'm not sure whether it, it didn't happen earlier. There was there was a tackle that was that, that was made on him in, in in the second half, early in the second half. And the, a medical guy came on then, and he was holding his left leg. And then I saw him kind of hobbling around on, on his wing, and it didn't look like he'd done anything serious. But it's just strange that 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 would happen. Then 15 minutes later, he, he'd have a serious injury. So so yeah, I hate to think that that he didn't come off. And, and kind of made it worse and, and then had the serious injury. I, I've got no idea if that's true, but but I certainly noticed that on the day and also definitely noticed it watching it back this evening. So 
yeah, credit to him for for trying to play on, whether it was then or, or as you say, when when he tried to play on after having done it seriously. But but yeah, a, a, a blow, yeah, a salt in the wound blow, which I really didn't need today. Reading that and uh, and having the the weekend that we'd had watching watching Barton, uh, a hugely disappointing performance, and kind of continued to get worse as their tenth try went in. And, and I felt like it, it, we a, a team then that just looked so tired and so you know, probably not fit enough. And, and that's a team coming off a bye, having prepared for Saracens for, for the longest possible time you'll get in a premiership in a premiership game, having a Friday night game, then a bye, then playing a Sunday. If that's what the, the, the coaches and, and the players can come up with after all that time, then, then it's a real damning criticism, I, I think, on them. Yeah, and, and, and we shouldn't forget that going into that game, on paper, we put out an incredibly strong team. And the Saracens team is pretty much full strength, you know, missing a couple of people, Elliot Daly, maybe one or two others. Obviously, we're missing um, Talupe Falatao, Ben Spencer, um, Cam Redpath. But it's a, it's a pretty full... It's, just, it's just about as full a squad, a, a team, as you, can, as you can hope to field with the kind of attritional nature of, of injuries. You know, seven out of our eight... Actually, I believe eight, all of our, all of our pack at some point have been selected for, for international honours. And then two, uh, two Lions and another international to boot in the, in the back line. And then Muir, Ajomo and de Glanville, obviously, obviously kind of new guys, 15s. They're the best so it's, players. So it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, if we, if, we, if we look at positives, Tom, Muir, Ajomo and Glanville, and probably McNally, who's probably played the least international rugby of all, of all those forwards were, were the outstanding were the outstanding Bath players on, on the field which, which isn't saying a huge amount but, but is true yeah and once again it's, it's, it's the paradox of having all this quality all this experience all these resources and everything and then um, when, when it comes to it we we, we we at times just look like a look like look like a bunch of schoolboys, and and that's what is always so frustrating. It's not like we're a Newcastle or a Worcester or a London Welsh, and we're we're on the downward trajectory. Fight, you know, maybe struggling financially, haven't got the playing squad. Are trying to kind of paper over cracks. We've got one of the best squads in the Premiership. Last year, before Saracens were promoted, we contributed the most players to the England um, uh, elite player squad. And it, this continues to happen. So why why, um, why does it happen, Tom? Why can't why where is the 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 majority? Obviously, the, the blame doesn't lie at anyone's door specifically, or or kind of a, a group of a group of players specifically. It's spread out across everyone involved with the club, undoubtedly. But where is the main the main Where's the most blame attributed for not being able to turn that team into a team, not just get the beat Saracens, but a, a team that can't even touch Saracens on, on a huge day at the rack? Yeah, I think, I think the first thing to say is that, you know, the first three games of the season, the margins were, were, were the scoreline was, was fine and the margins were, were pretty fine apart from that apart from that Newcastle game at times. So at, at this top level, you only need things to slightly go against you to, to, to lose games. And we have got those, those three losing bonus points. Then we come to this Saracens game and Saracens come and are levels, levels above any other team probably in the Premiership with the possible exception of Exeter, maybe, maybe Quinns. And we, have, we, 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 just weren't, we just weren't ready for that. You know, you could look back at the first three games and you could say Sale were one-dimensional and they, that suits our style of play. You could say Newcastle, they're a lower tier, a lower league team, and we made them look good and they beat us away. And then you could say that, that Bristol were desperately out of form at the moment and, and they still, you know, got the job done on us despite playing pretty terribly in that game. So I think, you know, I guess what I'm saying is I think you have to give a lot of, a lot of credit for Saracens for, the, for the, the, the extent of the scoreline and what they did to us scoring those, scoring those, those 10 tries. And I, to a degree, think it's, it's been a long time coming, this, this kind of result. Um, I think it's just exacerbating a lot of the same issues that we have been talking about on this podcast and that you see people talking about on social media for a long time. And the, the biggest issue for me is defence, as, as I've said. We just can't defend our own line. There is no, um, there's no structure. There doesn't seem to be any systems in place 
So you can be as good as you like. You can have as many international caps as you like. But if you're not communicating with the guy outside you, or if you're not working in, in twos to, 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 to defend, there's, you know, there's, there's really nothing you can do against sides of that quality. So defence is the main one for me. And we know we have no defence coach in place. That remains a massive, massive issue for me. And the other one is, isn't a new one either. It's just discipline, game management, um, having our heads screwed on and not giving away 15 plus penalties against the side that's just going to put you to the sword. So gee, it's, in summary, it's that these aren't new issues for me. I just think they, they were heavily, heavily exposed by what was a quality side on Sunday. But they are, they are new issues. And therefore, for me, the, the, the majority of the blame for this, this defeat lies at Stuart, Hooper's, at Stuart Hooper's door because this isn't a new issue. And we implored them over the summer to get a defence coach to help Neil Hatley out. And they just didn't do it. And that is a massive, massive oversight, which is costing us uh, any, anywhere near a decent season. And I really, really think that Hooper's position is under massive, massive fire. Loads of people on so- social media, as you'd expect, after every defeat there is, but as you'd expect after this defeat, more, more, more than probably ever we've seen. Tom Scriven, regular contact to, to the podcast, at Bath Robbie Plug on Twitter on Twitter, describes his position as untenable. And, and, and I, th- I think that that resonates with a lot of Bath fans in, in that this performance is, is, is frankly not good enough. And because those issues aren't new issues, he should have, he as in charge of rugby, should have identified these issues before the summer, but certainly over the summer and put in, in, in steps, in measures to, to, um, to, to kind of address those issues. And, and, and I don't think that I would get rid of Stuart Hooper this week, but I think I would give him three more weeks until the 5th of November when we play Leicester Tigers in the Premiership. There is then a gap of 21 days until our next Premiership game. And if we haven't won by the time we play Leicester away, then I would make a change at the top and, and I'd replace Stuart Hooper as, as director, director of rugby. And I actually was thinking about it this evening and I don't think there's time and I don't think it, it could possibly work to replace him this week. But I think the, the timing of that buy may well have saved Stuart Hooper's job. And I think if the buy had come after this game, then I... I would, I, I would think that, that they would be strongly considering and may just pull the plug, pull, pull the plug on it because, because having seen these issues, it's not rocket science as, as what's the issue, the, the kind of main issue at the club is that there aren't enough experienced coaches to help out Neil Hatley. And that's an issue we've had for, for some time now. So, so, so not addressing it is, it, it, it is, is, is Hooper's fault and, and, and probably could and will cost him his job. Yeah, but does... Does, does just replacing him and bringing in someone new to kind of start again, maybe make some of the same mistakes, cause further delay to when we, when we get a new coach in place, does that really help? Why don't you just, why don't, you know, we both agree that we need kind of a new defence coach um, in, in place. Why doesn't hiring a, a, a top quality defence coach to come in and, and do coaching why does why doesn't that solve solve a fundamental issue? Or are you just saying it's it's too late for Stuart Hooper to do that? What's he meant to do in the next three weeks? Do that as well. Do that as well. Bring someone in now, Hooper. Bring someone in now. But I but I think it's probably too late now for. Well, it's not too late now. As I say, I, I, I kind of give three more weeks for it. But 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 I but I think that a, a, a big change has to happen after after, after if, if it continues to go the way of these four weeks then, then I think a change has to happen um, and, and I think you cannot so so today Tom it was reported that, that Steve Diamond's Bath considering adding Steve Diamond to, to, to this mix you can't in my mind you just can't do that if there is going to be a change at, at director of rugby and I think if the season continues to go this badly then I think then I think that, that there needs to be I don't think you can add someone to, to to this mix now it's become clear this is Hooper's team Hooper's vision if you are going to bring someone in bring someone in to replace him not just to kind of add him and add a, a defence coach yeah I don't I did obviously seen the seen the kind of Steve Diamond thing. I, I don't I don't really understand how that appointment makes sense. And there's, there's there's a number of things. So I don't really I don't see him coming in as DOR because I think the kind of director of rugby that McDonald and um, Craig 
want is someone that they can influence, someone that has, you know, they can talk about long heritage at the club. They can really shape in the way that they want to. Steve Diamond is going to come in and as a guy who's a hard northerner, he's had it all his own way his whole career. He was on the board of directors at Sale. Um, his job was completely, um, you know, his to, um, it, you know, he, his job was never under scrutiny despite not getting top four for the 10 years he was at Sale. So he's, he's going to come in and um, not be as malleable as perhaps Stuart, Stuart Hooper is. And I just don't necessarily see that, that relationship working between him, Dyson, Craig um, and, and, and McDonald. Then on, on the other hand, I don't really see him coming in as a guy who's going to going to report into Stuart Hooper. I mean, it, 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 he's just not going to want to do that, given, give, given his experience. And as someone who, as I say, has always called the shots and always had it his, his own way. Um, the, only, the only way I guess I could, I could see it potentially being, being framed so that all parties potentially, potentially get on, on board with it, if he's, if he's kind of in this consultant role that they, they like to call it. So I think um, Mike Ford was uh, initially a consultant when he went to, when he went to Leicester Tigers. Um, Brendan um, uh, Venter, um, obviously he, he's been a, a couple of places before as a consultant. I think Les Kiss did it. Um, as well initially at London Irish so that is kind of a um, uh, one of those titles where they can be vague about the structure and he can come in and just give advice and and try and help solve some of the problems but it avoids that kind of ego struggle that I think we'd see if we brought in the likes of Steve Diamond as a as kind of a, a you know a coach so I, I don't I don't know if I if I see that happening I also you know if you say you want to replace Stuart Hooper in three weeks, then the obvious question is who do you replace him with? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that, that is obviously a, a question that, 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 yeah, that, that, that's why the Steve Diamond thing keeps coming up because it's, it's such an obvious, it seems like from the outside, such an obvious replacement, but, but there must be, you know, and, and, and this is going to sound stupid, but there must be people out there who have had success in, in other leagues that we can we we can bring in and, and try to help turn this around. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to see poor poor you know this this season spiraling into you know huge disappointing. Yeah, you talk about success, but as I say, Steve Diamond never took sale to the top four in his ten years, despite buying half, half a South African um, academy. I know he had reduced salary cap, but he he's he's not a success he's not a, a successful coach in his. In, or director Rubby in in his own right. I mean, you could you could look at other guys. You could look further afield and look at someone like a, a Michael Chicker, who is um, who's obviously yeah, you know. um, he, he he could come in and shake it up, but he's not going to come in in mid season. Obviously, he'd need to you know move over and move his move his family. So I just I just don't I just don't see what sacking Hooper. <clears throat> excuse me, I don't see what sacking Hooper necessarily achieves mid season. Um, and to be honest, I just, I don't, I just don't think it's on brand for McDonald and for Craig, um, given all the, the stuff that, you know, I, re- I read back the open letter. Mate, mate, so did I. <laughs> and it, I like some of the chat in there now, it makes for laughable reading. Um, but I, I just, I think, I think it's so off brand and I think it would be so out of character. And I also don't think there's any real replacement standing by that would actually is a successful and b um, b would 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 fit the bill and be able to come in and make a real difference. I think the areas you need to focus on, on the areas that we're missing, that to me is bringing in a in a defence coach and getting some kind of kind of systems in play and toughening up these guys individually because at times it was it was it was just soft. So yeah, I've I've I'm, I've you know you may say I've grown sick and tired of defending Stuart Hooper at times, but it's not me really defending him. It's more just I don't really see an alternative mid-season that works. Now, if we come bottom of the league, then at the end of the season, it's a very different conversation. But I don't, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sold on, on your three weeks, G. It's going to be playing out the string, though, if, if, if we keep Hooper and it keeps going like this. And, and, and with no relegation, there's, as you've pointed out, there's a risk of this season just becoming a complete joke. And, yeah. and, and, and I, just, I just can't stand the thought of that. That's what will happen, I think. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so, so that's what will happen. If you think that's what will happen, but yeah, you don't want to see a change. I, 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 can't say it. I just don't see who you bring in without making it worse or just not making it better long term. 
And so why not wait till the end of the season? Okay. Would you bring in a, 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 a specialised defence coach? I'll try to, yeah. I mean, but we'll be, we've been saying that for 18 months. So, um, you know, if, if me and you were in charge, G, we would have been looking for 18 months and we'd probably have, probably have found someone, someone by now. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that's, that's always been, been a, a no-brainer. Um, whether it's Steve Diamond in a, in a kind of like consultant role, I, I, I don't know what it looks like, G. I just don't know. He's not going to be coaching his team, Diamond, though. That's, that's never really been his... Um, you know, forte. I, I think it will have to be someone that, that is specialised in in defence and, and, and coaching defence and and that area of the game. Paul Gustard is he is he available? He's Italy, isn't he? Out Italy? Yeah, I think he's in the Italian setup. That 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 that's a pretty well run defence, isn't it? Italy. <laughs> <laughs> As, I mean, they never conceded seventy one before. They probably yeah. That. Um, yeah, a, a really tough day, certainly. Off the off, 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 for the coaches off the field, Tom, and I thought it was a re- another really tough day for for Charlie Yules as, as as captain of, of of Bath. I think the team did look a bit rudderless at times on, on Sunday. It looked like it was it was lacking leaders on the field, and and I think one of the leaders that we saw I, on, on Sunday was was Josh McNally, and I think loads of people have got in touch with us. To say that that, that that they would they would consider swapping the the, the club captaincy mid season again, which would be a you know almost unprecedented and, and kind of would cause huge disruption, I'm sure. And, I, and I'm not sure I'd go down that route. But but yeah, I think Charlie Yules and and not having a backup lock it, it is huge. And and we were bullied. And, and and I thought his performance as as kind of. Yeah, his performance as captain at Bath has not really taken off in the way that, that I was really hoping it might. Yeah, and I think, it, it, you know, he looked kind of almost resigned and slumped shoulders almost more than anyone at the end of that. Off that on game. 50 minutes. Yeah, but I mean, at yeah. the end, when they were, when they were um, you know, when the players were kind of walking around and, you know, you compare him to, he's just been named in the England squad and you compare him to, to Mara Toje, who's obviously also in that England setup. And you just feel that if roles were reversed, if those two had swapped shirts at the start of the game, Marutoje would have been a shining light in that in that Bath kind of losing effort. And Charlie Yules was sadly kind of anonymous at times. You know, the line out, which is meant to be his his baby, his forte, we 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 put all our eggs in, in that basket, kicking to the corner, and time and time again it it came up, it came up fruitless. And um, you know, obviously there are so many moving parts to to, to that and to, to to rugby team more generally, but again, I've often defended Charlie Yules as a leader. I think I think he's often been a calm head on 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 young shoulders and has been has been kind of sensible and and kind of considered in the heat of battle. And I think he is a natural leader. But again, if we finish towards the the, the lower end of the table, you you do need a fresh start, a bit of fresh impetus. Um, to, to to keep the team driving again, and Josh McNally has come in as a former captain of London Irish mm-hmm. and been brilliant, been a consistent standout. The other guy who's a, a clearly a natural leader in that setup is Ben Spencer. So there are other options, and I think again, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything mid-season because I think that would maybe do more harm than than good. Um, but but yeah, I think again, his his role is 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 being is you know becoming. Um, a, a little bit doubtful the, the more the season goes on. Is it is it becoming untenable as as Tom Scriven dis- described? I love that word. I laugh when you say that because I feel like you only ever hear that word when someone's about to get sacked. Yeah, when the sport a sports a sporting coach is about to, is about to get or, sacked. or a politician. <laughs> politician, yeah, I mean, don't, don't yeah, yeah. It's 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 a, it's a strange it's a strange word, but. Um, yeah, certainly, certainly, he's echoing the thoughts of of a lot of Bath fans. Tom, is there anything else you wanted to to touch on on this game on 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 the club more generally? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe I guess we've we've yeah we've we've talked a bit about the kind of the the the, the structure and, and maybe what we do. Maybe just the last thing on the game and the day as a whole. A couple of positives as as we like to do. Um, so yeah, as as you alluded to earlier I thought Will Muir uh, Max Ajoma Tom de Glanville and Orlando Bailey when he came on were fantastic 
Um, and, and Josh McNally, I should mention as well, in the, in, in the forwards. So as you say, all guys that have probably been at the, the lesser end of the spectrum in terms of involvement with England. Um, and the only other thing is the, um, a victory for, for Bath at the Rec on, mm-hmm. on Saturday in the form of the ladies' team who won um, 44-13 in the game that was directly after the, 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 the Bath game. And we, we managed to see that, G., um, and we uh, we 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 enjoyed we enjoyed Bath running in um, a few tries um, and and in a winning cause for for a change. So congratulations to them. And I think about three or four thousand people stayed after. So about you know thirty percent of capacity to 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 watch that game. So that, so that was good. Do that every week. It's surely a no a no brainer because you know on a Sunday three or four thousand people stuck around. If that if that's a Saturday Saturday afternoon game, then then there'll be even more people sticking around for sure. Yeah, do that every week, and 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 I doubt there's anyone from the club still listening to the podcast after the episode that we've given. But yeah, if there is anyone listening, then then yeah, try and get that more regularly because it, it, it was certainly fantastic, fan, fan, fantastic. Um, you know. To, to to watch them play play so well and that's obviously a new venture that that's something that they're really getting behind so hopefully it goes better than the 2018 open letter supporters and, and that's something which which really picks up because yeah as you say it, it, it was really good to good to watch that um and i agree 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 on those on on those positives tom you know i, I thought the guys you outlined were were excellent, um, and, and, and as you say, it was the, the young guys who who were giving people hope when we turned to the thicker, or maybe this week the thinner scale. Tom, uh, before I get your your scale reading for this week, I'll give you uh, a few on from from social media. So, I think we're looking towards the bottom of of, of, of the readings <laughs> this week. So to give you a little variety, so Tom Scriven, as I've mentioned a couple of times, says zero on the scale. Hooper's position is now untenable and more experienced than you are with Hatley would be my choice. The damage being done to the club is awful. McNally needs to be made skipper. Sips Gamble hasn't paid off. Bench for the foreseeable. So yeah, <laughs> not, not, not feeling great about the club for sure. Um, Tom Scriven after that. Toby Elliott, I'm sure many will give zero on thicker scale, but it can't be a zero due to how much talent the club has. Bailey, TDG and Adjoma are coming along so well. So promising, it's the hope that kills you. Thicker of one. And then secondly, uh, sorry, finally, Simon Fussell says two on the thicker scale for Bailey, Adjoma and TDG. We need a reorganisation of the coaching staff. We need to focus on the set piece and get it sorted. We need a defence coach and we need to focus on developing a bar style and get Bath ladies playing their home games at the rack. Uh, Charlie, Tom, who friend of the podcast, Charlie, he texted us on Sunday saying minus 10 on, on the Victor scale. So, so that's about as low as we got. I was tempted to go minus 71 for this week, but I'm going with zero. It, it can't, it can't get, it can't get worse. It can't get worse than that. It surely can't get worse than that. And if it does, we're going to have to have a serious discussion about, um, about how regularly we do this podcast. So yeah, zero on the Victor scale uh, for me this week. I don't think minus exists on the Richter scale so I can't go into that one but yeah I, I guess hopeful that it will never be as bad as this yeah I think so where, where would I go I think uh, you know um, what's his chop summed it up really well um, Toby Elliott I think yeah I, I think if you if you'd if you'd asked me on Sunday straight after the game I would have I would have I would have taken the thick scale out of my of, of my pocket and it wouldn't it wouldn't have had a reading it would have been the dial would have been frozen it would have been broken uh, maybe it would have um, spontaneously combust I don't know but it, it it would have been it would have been a flat zero I think when I when I reflect on it a little bit I think we we need to give more credit to, to Saracens um, rather than just look at just look at ourselves and I think there are there continue to be guys that that stand out um, and 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 hopefully um will be there for many years to come and this will all be um uh, a very very um bad distant distant memory um so yeah I, I think I'll go for a one um and yeah only a one I think because the Anthony Watson news as well hadn't been announced on Sunday so if that had happened if that had announced been announced that day there and then it probably been a flat zero um but I'm I'm fully prepared to for, for it to go it to it, it probably to get slightly worse before it gets better um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll set them on a one um, 
but 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 pretty bleak readings. I think the scores have gone um, down and down um, so far this season, pretty much. So the only way is up, as they say. Mm. Yeah, the perfect storm. Well, the imperfect storm. I felt like on Sunday, a brilliant Saracens team, a lovely day at the wreck, flat track, and a really really poor Bath performance. And we go again on Saturday, Tom, and it doesn't get much easier. I think it does get a bit easier, but it doesn't get much easier. Probably the the informed side in in the Premiership, the the team playing, yeah, some some of the best rugby, some of the most exciting rugby. They they did lose at the AJ Bell on, on Friday night this week, but obviously had that fantastic win the week before uh, at the Stoop against Bristol. Many changes, do you think, for this game from a Bath perspective? I don't really see what you you can change. Um, I think the one the one thing I'd, I'd like to see is a little bit more dynamism in that in that in in, in the pack in terms of carrying. So Jacko Kutsia, who strangely didn't even feature on the bench against Saracens, and I know Stuart Hooper had mentioned that he um, physically, um, as you'd suggested actually, G, when you when you first saw him play physically, he wasn't he wasn't quite at the races. Um, so hopefully. Um, he's had a fair few weeks now to, to get himself fit and strong, so he should be able to to turn out. And I, I don't think the Bayless experiment at eight is is really working um, as much as as much as I'd love to see him kind of included in 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 the side. So I think I'd like to bring in a, a Kutsir or potentially a Falatau if if he um, if if he is available. Um, other than that, I mean, obviously Anthony Watson will be will be dropping out of the fifteen, sadly. Um, so Rory McConaughey. Um, who, who got a bit of game time on 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 Sunday, and it was good to see him back come in. But I I don't I don't see what else you you change. Perhaps you give Green or maybe Simpson a start at at nine. Um, I don't think Ollie Fox has, has probably done enough to retain his position. But other than that, it's 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 pretty much unchanged for me. G from from the fifty four point um, defeat on Sunday. And that, that that is pretty tough, pretty tough because, as you say, there doesn't seem to be many options. As that as that was was an extremely strong a strong bar. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one other thing. I might do. I might, I might, I might give Lewis Boyce a start. I thought he he injected a little bit of energy and a kind of bit of anger at, at what was going on when he came on on Sunday. So maybe 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 bring in Lewis Boyce and 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 let Benno Benno show us how good he is off the bench. Yeah, I don't think those props are, are having a fantastic start to the season. The front row as a whole <clears throat> has been hugely disappointing, line out and scrum time. So, so yeah, a, a big, a big, a big day on Saturday for those guys. And and when it got really bad last season, so thinking of the Bristol defeat, what was that? 50-48-3, was it at Ashton Gate? We then the following game went up to sale and put in probably our best performance of the season. So, so you never know. Backs to the wall. This this might be that. And and uh, <laughs> you're shaking your head but yeah I'd, I'd change both halfbacks I think um, and yeah I'd definitely change the eight as well yeah the Kutsir things is, is, is odd is odd mate he, he was on the bench for the first two games and hasn't featured since and, and, and yeah didn't didn't look fit in, the, in those first two games I didn't think so and it's not like he's just come to the country he was there at the back end of last season with, with the club just not not featuring so so yeah uh, that, that, that doesn't seem to to, to, to be working out and the recruitment as a whole I don't think is, is looking as strong as it's as it's been recently I'm, I've not been that impressed with the props that we brought in and then yeah Kutsia and Cipriani being being the, the, the kind of two marquee signings neither of them are working out albeit at, at what is a, an extremely early stage 17 point underdogs on this one with the bookies at Harlequins and, and that probably just about sums up how, how how the game might go. Um, yeah, I'm not feeling confident at all for, for, for this one. Yeah, and I think that 17 points, you know, sadly might be generous. Um, you know, we've shown that when it when it when when it starts to go badly, um, you know, when it <laughs> rains it really can pour and we can we can let tries in um, you know, so so easily. So yeah, I I'm I'm expecting a very, very tough uh, a, t- a tough, tough game, and I think to be honest, G, and it, it pains me to say this, but one of the only solaces is, is that it's not actually on TV. So um, I won't be, I won't, I won't be looking too hard for a stream. I don't think on, um, on the weekend. Bristol lost again. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's about the only thing getting, getting me through the season. Hopefully that helped you get through what was an extremely tough weekend, extremely tough su- Sunday of rugby. Thank you very much for listening. Please do get in touch with your thoughts at Bath Rugby Plug, as I say. People on Twitter getting in touch with us saying where they're working, Gloucester, in Leicester, in the offices, getting ribbed. So so hopefully this is a bit of a safe space for, for us all to, to wallow in the misery of a 71-17 home defeat to Saracens. Whatever happens at the weekend, whatever happens with the boys, Make sure you understand that obviously they are hurting a hell of a lot more than all of the fans are, even though that, that is difficult to believe that those guys put their, put their life into, into improving, you know, into playing well on the weekend and, and they'll, be, they'll be really feeling it. I really hope none of them listened in this week. I think that was definitely one to avoid from their perspective. Hopefully it helped you as a fan, but definitely stick behind them on social media and wherever possible through thick and thin.